Good evening. On this Christmas Eve, the first reading is taken from Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of their burden and the staff of their shoulder and the rod of their oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to their own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. 
And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. The Gospel of Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Just where you're standing, let's pray. Jesus, for people who walk in darkness, you shine the light of your presence. Shine on our hearts this evening so that we may see and know and love you. Amen. Please be seated. It's been about nine months, nine months since the angel appeared to Mary with incredible news. She was going to bear the Son of God. That visitation was followed by a series of miraculous confirmations, showing that Mary hadn't imagined the whole episode. Her fiancé Joseph was also given the same message in a dream by an angel. Her relative Elizabeth when she went to visit her, knew at the very sight of Mary that something extraordinary was happening, that the child in Mary's womb was Elizabeth's Lord. But that was almost nine months ago. Nine months with no more visions, no more miraculous signs. Mary has been growing more and more obviously pregnant, enduring the looks and the ridicule of neighbors who have assumed the worst about her. And now, just as her due date is approaching, the Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus calls for a census, forcing her and Joseph to travel to Bethlehem. The timing could not be worse. It's easy to imagine that Mary must have been confused and frustrated why the poor timing? If God was in charge of the kings of the earth, why would he allow this? Wouldn't traveling so late put the baby at risk? God's own son, theoretically? Why wasn't God taking better care of them? But they go because they have to go. And they get to their homeland. And then the guest rooms are all and imagine Mary's growing uncertainty and fear. Did she do something wrong? If this was God's child, why wasn't he taking better care of them? Why was there no proper place for her to give birth? What if something went wrong because she didn't have a good place to stay? Was all of this somehow her fault? If I were Mary, at this point, I'd be wondering about just about everything. I'd be anxious that all those early messages were wrong, or that somehow God had changed his mind and this was an ordinary baby growing inside her, or maybe that he just didn't care about the particulars of her circumstances. God made her pregnant and then left her to figure out the rest on her own. Well, they do find somewhere to stay, 
because they have to. Maybe it's a stable, maybe it's a cave or the lower level of a house where animals were often kept, we aren't told. But wherever it is, the manger is a clue that this family is not situated in posh, comfortable surroundings. So far, so confusing. And so Mary gives birth in this transient, uncomfortable situation, and she wraps her child in cloth strips following the custom of the day, and she lays him in a makeshift cradle, in a manger, a feeding trough, because that was what she had at hand. And she must have been wondering, what are you doing, God? Meanwhile, that same night, while Mary is in labor somewhere in Bethlehem, in a dark field on the outskirts of the town, shepherds are watching over their sheep. And they're going about their normal business when suddenly a light shines, a brilliant light in the sky. And an angel appears. And quite naturally, the shepherds are utterly terrified. But the angel calms them down because he wants them to hear his message. I have incredible news for you, and for you and for all the people. Today, a baby has been born in the nearby town of Bethlehem, just over there, the city of David. And this baby is the great Savior, the long-awaited Messiah, the Lord. We don't often pause here in our retelling of this story, but it's worth pausing. Because this message that has been given to the shepherds is so wild, so outlandish, and so completely incredible that it wouldn't have been surprising for them not to believe it at all, despite seeing an angel. And so the second part of the angel's message, they are given an additional message, one that will function as proof. Proof that the angel's words are true and that this baby actually is the Messiah. They're given a sign. And the sign, oh, the sign. One of the lessons of Christianity that I have to keep learning over and over again is how God meets us where we are and how God speaks to us in a language that we can understand personally because God is gracious and compassionate and kind. And he knows how fearful we are. And he knows how weak we are and how easily discouraged we get. How quick to doubt our senses. He knows what will mean something to us and what won't. And so to the shepherds, rather than a sign being a cradle made of gold, which would have been off-putting to them entirely, or a constellation in the sky that would have been meaningless to them, God gives them one of the most familiar things that they could have looked for. And yet at the same time, one of the most unusual places to find a baby, a manger, a feeding trough, where animals eat. Animals, the things shepherds spend their lives around. A baby in a manger, this is an accessible sign. This is a next step that is possible for them. They don't need to go to some temple. They don't need to find a palace somewhere. They just have to find a place where animals live, a place 
where they might feel at home. And it's enough. They dash off to Bethlehem, where there is, of course, only one newborn baby sleeping in a manger that night. And as soon as they see him lying there, they know. They know that the angel's words are true. That this baby, as outlandish, as wild, as incredible as it seems, really is the Son of God, the Messiah, come to save his people. And so they begin blurting it out to everybody, telling this story to everybody who will listen. And can you blame them? And that brings us back to Mary, one of the people who hears this. Because it is now that Mary, having lived in the silence and the wondering for the past nine months, finally has the confirmation that she has done nothing wrong and that this is God's plan. That in the frustration of needing to travel right when the baby is due, and in the stress of not finding a proper shelter, and in the anxiety of giving birth, God has been working. The scripture has this beautiful line about Mary treasuring up all these things and pondering them in her heart. And perhaps, as she pondered, she began to see the deeper pattern at work, the deeper reality. That although it seemed like Caesar Augustus was ruling the world and calling the shots, it was in fact God orchestrating events. It was God working through Caesar, bringing Mary and Joseph to the city of David just in time for the baby to be born in Bethlehem, as the prophets had foretold. Maybe Mary realized that it was God that had provided that rough dwelling place for them to stay, precisely so that the shepherds would have a sign that they could see and recognize and understand, a baby in a manger. Perhaps she saw that her words in the Magnificat were already coming true, that the poor and the lowly were being lifted up, because here the shepherds were, the lowliest of the low, the poorest and most despised, given seats of honor at a glorious concert of angels, given first glimpse of the newborn Son of God. Perhaps, as Mary pondered, as she heard the words that the angels had spoken to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, perhaps she was reminded of a prophecy from Isaiah. To us a child has been born, to us a son has been given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Perhaps, as Mary pondered, she saw that God had been at work all the time, throughout all of history, enacting his plan of salvation. And maybe this pondering would have given her courage later in life, as she stood outside Jerusalem, hearing a crowd shout, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. 
Maybe she heard the echoes of the angel's song to the shepherd and pondered anew. Perhaps a few days after that, as her grown son's body was wrapped in strips of cloth and laid in a tomb, she remembered how as an infant she wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. A manger that meant more at the time than she realized. And as she kept vigil for three days and three nights outside this tomb, perhaps she thought back to that time in Bethlehem when it was so hard to see God at work. How the confusing circumstances and the difficulties that all seemed to be pointless were in fact God working. And maybe Mary in her pondering had a glimmer of hope that like the manger, the tomb meant more than what it seemed. That this was not the end. And so what about you? Where do you find yourself as you sit here in this beautiful church on Christmas Eve? Do you, like the shepherds, find yourself going about your normal day, your normal life, maybe making the motions of faith, but not really expecting to hear from God, not really daring to believe that he might reach out and speak to you personally? Beloved, this story is for you. Because God is real, and he is speaking, and he longs to give you more of himself, to draw you near to himself. He meets each of us where we are, in the normalness of our lives, and he speaks to us in ways uniquely suited to each of us. So draw near to him. Open your heart to him, and he will draw near to you. Or maybe this evening you find yourself like Mary, in a place of confusion and difficulty, wondering how God could possibly be at work in the mess that is your life, or in the mess of the politics, or in the agony of the world around us. Do you wonder how he could possibly make sense of it all, redeem it all? Beloved, this story is for you. Just as God used the circumstances around his son's birth to bring it about in a way and a time that was perfect, just as he used the cross, that instrument of torture, to defeat the powers of sin and death forever, he has been working. And he is still working today to fulfill his word in you and in the world. And he will come again one final time, and make all things right. So wherever you find yourself this evening, however busy or tired or sore or peaceful your heart is, this is a story for you. Because our King, the Prince of Peace, the baby, has come, and he is making all things new. So come, let us ponder and worship. Amen. You've just listened to a podcast from Little Trinity Church in Toronto. Please check out our website at www.littletrinity.org to find out more about our ministries and services.